Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone. Bismillah alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam wa rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome back to Quran 30 for 30. Uh, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Ameen. We are blessed to have Sheikh Muhammad Shinawi with us. And before we get started with him, inshallah, I just wanted to remind everyone of the webathon. So I said yesterday, I think I accidentally said Wednesday. It's all day on Thursday, or it's for a significant chunk of time on Thursday, inshallah. Thursday being the 21st day, as we get into the 21st night, it's going to be just loaded with reminders across the board, inshallah, from uh, our team about how to get yourself ready for those last 10 nights. And of course, it is an opportunity to support Yaqeen's work. You'll notice the last 10 night donation link there. Uh, and inshallah ta'ala, I hope that all of you have been benefiting from the content of the night and would like to support inshallah ta'ala uh, this work. But please do tune in to the webathon inshallah ta'ala and we're going to adjust the Quran 30 for 30 uh, schedule accordingly. So it's going to be Thursday, 2.30 to 7.30 Eastern time inshallah ta'ala. 2.30 to 7.30 Eastern time inshallah ta'ala. And it's going to be very beneficial with the night So please tune in and share, inshallah ta'ala, and be a part of it with the night ta'ala. Alhamdulillah, uh, I mean, Sheikh Muhammad al-Shanawi is no stranger, literally like a, the, the veteran of Yaqeen, the ultimate veteran of Yaqeen, alhamdulillah, I mean. Uh, not because he's that old, because we're, we're, only, we're only a five-year-old organization, alhamdulillah, I but uh, Abu Abad, you're the man. Uh, so associate... Director, Systematic Theology, Alhamdulillah, Proofs of Prophethood series. I got to run through the stuff you've actually done, but uh, Names of Allah series, constantly contributing. Wrote a paper on the problem of evil uh, that, Alhamdulillah, I mean, we, we, we just had someone embrace Islam uh, through that paper, Alhamdulillah. MashaAllah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we, are, we are happy, happy, happy to have you, man. I'm just honored to be amongst you all. May Allah allow for some of this to be rewardable and worthy of His pleasure, inshallah. So, Sheikh Abdullah put you on blast recently. Everyone thinks I'm like mean. I'm not Sheikh Abdullah, man. What did you do to Sheikh Muhammad? Sheikh Abdullah is mean. Abdullah, what did you do? I don't know. There were some videos sent to me where uh, Abu Abdullah was just cooking somebody, man. MashaAllah. <laughs> You know, I got, I got this. I got some. This is. I don't consider it a dad joke. I consider this legitimate. My son said it's, it's a whack, but just above, above, just, just spare me. So when you go to the gym, do they call you the janitor? No, because you're always giving <laughs> buckets. Not, that was four kids ago. I was given buckets back when I was shin breaker Chanelwe, according to an old friend. <laughs> oh, so I'm assuming, I'm assuming they call you the old school fisher now because you don't use nothing but net. Wow, Akbar. Okay, let's keep going. Hold on. Take it, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> let's, let's keep going. Hold on. This is getting really interesting. So Abdullah posts these these Instagram videos of Sheikh Muhammad on the court. Abu Abad is a notorious baller, mashallah. So like this is this is something else. So I've got a question for you. So who's who would win? Ramadan Shinawi or Ramadan Kairi in a one on one? I haven't been following, but I'm but I'm hearing that he's been doing amazing things, and so I uh, also, for the sake of the da'wah, I'd probably just let him win. <laughs> <laughs> Kyrie Irving, if you're watching Quran 30 for 30, yeah, man. this man it's right here believes he could beat you, but it would be it would be like a behind closed doors type thing. But for those of you that are that are that are international and have no idea what we're talking about, Ramadan Kyrie Irving, NBA player who's been fasting and who's just been been cooking on the court, mashallah, playing really well. But of course, not watching the playoffs, Ramadan, right? You got to do Tarawih and Qiyam. So you just check you check the score afterwards, you check the stats, right? But I think Sheikh Shinawi, 
uh, one-on-one Ramadan Shinawi, Ramadan Kairi would be a treat. It'd be like, it'd be just like Sheikh Abdullah and I playing ping pong. I think it would be to that level of intensity. <laughs> just like you and Sheikh Abdullah benching and squatting together. There you go. Thank you. SubhanAllah. <laughs> no, yeah, but, but you don't think I could beat him in anything? Anything? Many things. Let's get to 30 for 30. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Many things. Alhamdulillah, that's how excited we are to see you, but Alhamdulillah, uh, very happy to have you, Sheikh Shanawi. So we're going to get started, inshallah, ta'ala. Alhamdulillah, I mean, uh, we're talking about, we're talking about good friends here. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst good friends, uh, good brothers, good friends, and, and join us all, not just those of us here, uh, you know, uh, obviously on the screen, but those that are part of this extended Yaqeen community and for those that are with our Prophet, Allah, I mean, uh, it does phase into with the night out of what we will be speaking about today, inshallah. So, this one out, alhamdulillah, so Quran uh, 30 for 30 has been very interesting, subhanAllah, this year. And for me personally, it's, as I said, it's always remarkable how you start to see if you choose any single theme, you find that that theme is coherent within coherence, subhanAllah, the Quran throughout is so beautifully structured and there's so much divine wisdom but if you just look at how every single surah is building on a theme that is present in the surah before it subhanallah it truly is profound last night we were talking about uh the qualities of al-mu'minun surah al-mu'minun and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talking about the qualities of these believers one of them being that obviously these believers ignore what is not beneficial to them and then you go to Anur, where we, uh, we we talk about how people fell into the predicament of the slander of Aisha, our mother, uh, precisely due to, right, not, uh, you know, at the moment, at least, of course, in, embedding those qualities that are mentioned in Al-Mu'minun in terms of abandoning that which is of no benefit and going from that which is of no benefit to that which is highly consequential in terms of the hereafter. SubhanAllah, and this juz, it's, it's very interesting because there's a lot of themes about honor and, and groupism and getting away from the herd mentality. Uh, Surah Al-Furqan, uh, which is uh, such a subhanAllah, profound surah, of course, you, you have the qualities of Ibad al-Rahman, but I'm not going to really speak about that per se, the, the qualities of the servants of the Most Merciful, which of course builds on it because we spoke about that last season. But this set of ayat, Verses 25 to 27. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the day that you will find that the uh, that the zalim, that the transgressors will be eating their hands, I mean putting their entire fist in their mouth out of regret because of those that they took as companions besides the Prophet instead of the Prophet and following their group mentality rather than following the divine revelation that was coming from above seven heavens. And so here Allah subhanahu is talking about the scene where they're turning on each other. The friends are turning on each other. And this person in expressing regret says, had I just been with the messenger, right? Had I just followed the messenger. And of course, some of their ulama point to, you know, look, in Mecca, 
it wasn't popular to be with the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. There was you, you weren't going to get any points, right? This was a group that was going to be persecuted, of course. So especially when you're talking about the Messenger Alayhi Salatu Wasalam when he is uh you know being persecuted the way that he is. But I wish I would have followed him, right? So you have the mocking group, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in front of the Kaaba and these people putting camel guts on his back, these people mocking him, laughing at him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, seeking to disgrace him. And while they're seeking to disgrace him, they're actually disgracing themselves, seeking to crush the revelation that has been sent to save them. And so here they are on the day of judgment now. I wish I didn't take that person as a friend. You know, so imagine the Abu Jahls and the Uqba bin Abi Mu'its, I mean, these are, the, of course, the, the famous transgressors, right? Uh, pointing at one another and fighting on the Day of Judgment. You know, that's a scene that we might witness ourselves, right? These tyrants that hurt, hurt the Prophet Sallallahu uh, pointing fingers at one another, attacking one another. And, of course, this is not restricted to them, but a very prominent manifestation of it. And as they are fighting with one another and shouting out regret, you know, this person turned me away from the remembrance after it came to me. I had an opportunity. I could have been with the Prophet Sallallahu and his companions right now, but here I am here in this situation as well. And it was nothing but the devil, right, that took these people away, that deluded them and took them away from the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So subhanAllah, you have a group of people that are blaming one another, that are not embodying the qualities of Al-Mu'minun or the qualities of Ibad rahman the servants of the Most Merciful, and ending up in the predicaments that we find in the if the slander of Aisha highlighted in Surah An-Nur. SubhanAllah, uh, I was reflecting on just this next surah, Surah Al-Shu'ara, where Allah Azza wa tells us about some of the most painful experiences of, of, of Ibrahim salam where Ibrahim salam is leaving town because he has been persecuted so severely by his father and the mocking crowds, thrown into a fire. And he is walking out of the fire completely alone, right? You know, he has his wife and he has Lut who of course has already migrated and is with his people. And it's just him and his wife. And he calls out and he says, Do not disgrace me on the day that they are going to be resurrected. You know, subhanAllah, as he's he's experiencing this walking out of the fire and the people, the crowd having mocked him and humiliated him and did all that they did to him. Ya Allah, don't let me be disgraced on the day of judgment. The day that no wealth or children will be of benefit except for the one who comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a pure heart. This is, you know, profound considering, you know, what we're building upon here, right? Ibrahim salam is speaking about the greater khizi, the greater humiliation of the Day of Judgment, right? Which khizi, you know, they were trying to humiliate him by throwing him into a fire in this life. But what happens on the Day of Judgment? Ibrahim salam will see his father grabbed by the, you know, in the shape of, of, of an animal, grabbed by the legs and thrown into a fire. And he was thrown into a fire in this life. And Ibrahim salam is pained by that, right? Seeing his father in that state. But he himself uh, went through a manifestation of something in this life which was meant to humiliate him. But instead, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored him, right? And 
on the day of judgment, as we spoke about in the Judgment Day series, in fact, he is the first person that will be dressed on the day of judgment when the people are in fear of the fire. SubhanAllah, when people are in fear of being thrown into a fire in the hereafter, Ibrahim salam, who lost his clothes while being thrown into a fire in this life, is robed, subhanAllah, in the hereafter, the first person where everybody else is waiting for clothes, Ibrahim salam, is robed. And this is such a great honor for him uh, on the Day of Judgment. And it is a response to that dua, right? So the khizi in the hereafter, the, the humiliation in the hereafter, imagine the people receiving the books in their left hand, being mocked and ridiculed there, and you know, uh, finding themselves left out of the company of believers on that day, and worrying about being thrown into the fire on that day. That is khizi. That is the humiliation, the true humiliation. And Ibrahim salam used that moment of hardship to say, Oh Allah, honor me in the hereafter. So you had the crowd, and then you had Ibrahim salam alone. And Surah Al-Furqan, you had the Prophet salam alone, ridiculed by these people, right? So the son of Ibrahim salam, Muhammad salam, the descendant of Ibrahim salam, his greatest descendant, facing a moment of humiliation like his father, uh, Ibrahim salam, but the great honor coming on the Day of Judgment. And finally, in Surah Naml, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that whoever comes with a good deed on the day of judgment will be rewarded with that which is better, with that which is better. And they will be uh, uh, protected. And they are going to be protected from the great shock of that day, which we've spoken about, right? So you kind of see this, this switch from the crowd to the individual. You know, the individual the ultimate honored individual being the Prophet of Allah, in one case Ibrahim Islam and then the Prophet And then the ultimate regret being the people that surrounded and mocked those prophets. And we have lessons for ourselves, right? That bring something good for which you will be rewarded on the day of judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not let the pain of such ridicule go to waste on the day of judgment. Rather, Allah will elevate you on that day. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from the elevated and make us from the companions of the Prophet on that day and amongst those that are standing under his liwa, under his banner of praise on that day. Allahumma ameen. Uh, inshallah ta'ala, Shaykh Abdullah, I'll pass it off to you. Jazakumullah khair. Jazakumullah khairan. Bismillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa la amma ba'd. As was mentioned, mashallah, you know, some of the adab and some of the regret and the uh, redemption that will take place. There is a time that we now here in this earth are breathing and are able to uh, recall that and to think and to have dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what we have done in this life, the good and the bad, and do the appropriate actions uh, accordingly to receive the blessings and the mercy and the love and the honor uh, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, but that regret that he mentions in Surah Al-Furqan where the individual is biting their, their fists and their, their hands in full regret. And a lot of that is because people are following each other and they're not using what Allah SWT has given them from the faculties of their fitrah, being the self, the carnal self, or the self, the natural inclination, the raw wiring, if you will, and recognizing that there is a God and then acting upon that. Within this life, there will be things that will distract us, yulhina, that will distract us from uh, the ultimate purpose of life. And that was the purpose that is the purpose of the prophets that they came to remind us and bring us back to our beautiful, pristine, unadulterated fitrah, to the closest that we can be. 
And the sharia that they came with was, was sent to align and to beautify it, to align it, to keep it on the sirat al-mustaqim straight, and to beautify it with the sharia when it comes to ways that we deal with people, ways that we deal with our family members, ways that we deal with creation and all forms of creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a different form of creation here in the verses that I want to talk about, but it's in a, in a manner that is very, very interesting. That if we were to sit and to think about it and ponder, we would just say, wow, or subhanallah, or Allahu Akbar, or a'udhu billah even. The verses are in the chapter of Furqan, verse number 43 and 44. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a couple of verses earlier, speaking was speaking about some of the previous prophets and the people that uh, uh, differed with them, for lack of better words, the people that disobeyed them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues on and he says in verse number 43, a beautiful question. And it's a question to the Prophet wasallam regarding those individuals that defy him and don't follow him. He says, after Allah is asking a question here. Do you think Prophet of man who has taken it, do you think Prophet of the man who has taken his own passion or desires as his Lord, are you going to be his guardian? So let's look at this. It's a question that it, Allah is asking the Prophet ﷺ and really all of us. I remember when I first read this, read this verse, it's like, subhanAllah, our desires are hawa as our Lord. That was profound because when you sit and think about you yourself and your desires and how your desires can overpower you, meaning that you know what you desire and what you are embarking upon, that particular desire is not better for your outcome, whether short-term or short-term or long-term. It may be short-term, but you already know when you in, indulge upon that short-term uh, benefit or what you may view as a benefit or that which is temporary, you know that it will sacrifice the long-term benefit. And that's why it's very important that we as human beings, as Muslims, know that Allah has given us naturally desires. He has given us these desires that we have. But then he gives us a blueprint, a framework to allow those desires to swim freely within that framework, i.e. Islam. So when we recognize that and we act our best accordingly, this is what is desired. So the first desire is the desire to have a deity that there's something that we look up to and admire and turn to him at all times. Firstly, learning who he is, that he is, that there is no one or nothing like him. But the desires that we have and wanting to be respected or wanting to call on something or someone else and different reasons why we may call on that, whether it's respect or whether it's just defying someone that we see may have the truth, as was the Prophet ﷺ in the Quraysh, or we want to be protected and we have this underlying kufr or disbelief in our heart or discontentment, as we see with some of the munafiqun, the hypocrites that were in Al-Madinah, we see that it is the hawa, it is the desires. And allowing that to be your God, for lack of better words, because when it comes to an order of Allah, you turn away from it or you prefer that what you quote unquote feel is better or feel you want to indulge upon. That's why, you know, certain statements is, you know, they say you obey your thirst or you only live once to realize what are we insinuating and implying here? Is it just fulfill any desire that you have as long as you feel nourished temporarily? This is very important. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked that question. Have you seen the man that takes his own Lord as his desires? Are you going to be his guardian? 
Why is this a question? Are you going to be his guardian? Because it doesn't matter if they do not have that effort to learn about Allah and sometimes to humble themselves, to allow their desires that they may desire that's temporary from jah, from respect and honor of certain people that are way in left field and following their desires, whether it's tribalism and that tribalism has pushed them to speak badly or to even harm other people. Are you going to think, do you think that they, you would be their guardian if they're not going to follow me, if they're not going to allow their desires to be humbled and suppressed for my sake? You see, when you suppress your desire that you have and you have hope in Allah that he will change it, inshallah, he will change it. And that's what we call tawfiq, that Allah blesses you with this tawfiq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues on in the next verse, verse number 44. And this verse is an amazing verse, to be honest, as all of the verses of the Quran are amazing. But pondering on this particular aspect of creation that he compares human beings to, it's profound. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Do you think that most of them hear or understand? What's interesting, many different places in the Quran, when Allah speaks about those that were uh, uh, oppressed themselves in this life and they face the punishment in the next life, these are the two verbs that they use. Even when we see in the chapter in Mulk, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالُوا لَوْ كُنَّا نَسْمَعُ أَوْ نَعْقِلُ مَا كُنَّا فِي أَصْحَابِ السَّعِيرِ He says, and they will say, only if we had been listening or reasoning, we would not be amongst the companions of the blaze. The regret. Because we didn't hear and we listened. Allah gave us those faculties for a reason. But he gave the faculties to an'am for a different reason. And it's pure survival. And we see here Allah SWT says, In whom illa kal an'am. That verily they are just like the cattle. How? That they have these faculties of hearing and seeing. But the cattle in some instances, in particular this instance, as Allah says, Bel, rather, hum adal. Meaning those individuals, those human beings that heard the message and understood the message and they voluntarily followed their hawa, their desires. Why is this important? Because the dog or the cat or the animal knows its rub, it knows its Lord and it's totally submissive to it. It's musakhar. It is created to be subjected to its master and owner and it follows it. And it knows that when it follows it, it will receive its maslaha, its benefit. Human beings may know that their Lord is Allah, but do they admit it? They know that their Lord is Allah. Do they turn to him? It's an opportunity for us to turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When Allah says that they are worse than animals, worse than animals, because they follow their desires and they leave off the message that has been given to them via the faculties that Allah has given you for a particular reason and more uh, a reason to recognize that the creator of these faculties, the creator of these senses that he has given you is to worship him and to use those desires and that which is beneficial for you. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those that turn back to him in secret and in open and allow that turning back to him to be a form of redemption, a form of remembrance to ultimately be with him, inshallah ta'ala. Jazakallah khairan. So you see, subhanAllah, how connected it is. Turning away from the righteous means turning away from the revelation. And so I think that's where, bidnillahi ta'ala, Shaykh Muhammad, you can take us away, inshallah ta'ala, and to soften khair bidnillah.
So actually, uh, I do want to speak about a particular verse, the 30th verse in Surah Al-Furqan, uh, turning away from Revelation in particular. But first and foremost, you know, when what Sheikh Abdullah mentioned or what he did there is something we should all get into the habit of doing. One of the most wonderful ways to connect with the Quran in its entirety is, is to realize that every verse relates to you. Like the verses regarding the prophets, yes, we're never going to be prophets, but they still apply to us on some level. And the people who worshipped their desires and disbelieved in doing so, uh, that can still happen on another level, you know, with a believer, on a lesser level, of course. You know, I remember Abdullah ibn Abbas, you know, the Turjuman, the master interpreter of the Qur'an, whenever he used to read that story of, you know, the Israelites who violated on the Sabbath, that's mentioned in Surah Al-A'raf, uh, he used to always read it and he would weep and weep and weep and say, we've seen so much wrong in our life and we kept silent. Like we sort of were too agreeable with the herd or with, you know, uh, the crowd. Because he noticed in the surah that, you know, the people that forbid the, the violation and spoke out against it, Allah said, we saved them. And those who violated, Allah said, you know, uh, they were destroyed or they were smited with his wrath. And then those who were silent, Allah was silent about them. And so that was so scary to Ibn Abbas, like what happened to them due to their silence and us too, what's going to happen to us due to our silence. So that's a great door for us always to realize how does this verse apply to me? And so regarding walking away from the revelation, we are all Muslims, right? And so we can read that 30th verse in Surah Al-Furqan uh, that we're reflecting on today. وَقَالَ الرَّسُولُ يَا رَبِّ إِنَّ قَوْمِ هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ مَهْجُورًا Oh my, uh, and the messenger says, oh my Lord, my people have taken this Quran as something worth shunning, worth abandoning. And obviously that's not us in the fullest sense of the word, alhamdulillah. We've accepted this Quran, at least in principle, we haven't rejected it. But are we totally out of the red, totally out of the clear regarding a verse like this? I mean, the verse is very daunting. You know, you think about the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ himself weeping at that verse where he's going to be made to testify against those who rejected his message. You think about the ahadith that mentioned that every prophet will say, my Lord, save me, save me, save me on the day of judgment. And the Prophet Muhammad will be the only one. He's going to be the most compassionate soul on that day and say, my ummah, my ummah, my people, my people. Oh, Allah, spare the people. Yet this verse puts a certain category of people on the opposite end of the complaint of the Prophet ﷺ. You know, may we never be in the opposite end of a courtroom where the judge is Allah and the Prophet ﷺ is the one prosecuting us or charging us with an allegation. So obviously, first and foremost, those who rejected his message are those he's complaining about. But there are others as well, like people who selectively accept parts of the message and selectively reject parts of the message, like the people whose gods are their desires, right? Those two have rejected the message, essentially. That's probably still category one. The people who, yeah, I'm going to accept whatever of Islam is currently trending, whatever of Islam is currently, you know, politically correct or socially correct and just to feel good. In modern life, everyone does that with their religion these days. They just use their religion as a, uh, a lubricant for modern life to validate. And that's another form of, taking the Qur'an as unworthy of being a leader, a transformative force, a director of, 
good and evil. So selective acceptance or and selective rejection is another way to abandon the Quran. A third way the scholars mention is when people treat the Quran like it can be arbitrarily interpreted. You can interpret it however you like. And that's a big deal. That's a big problem. You know, uh, like when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, Don't you dare, you know, step forward, out of turn, ahead of Allah and his messenger, and fear Allah. That means you need some fear of Allah here to scare away your conceit, the conceit that makes you think that, oh, you got this, right? Yes, the Quran is accept- accessible and approachable and you know, we even published that yaqeen about like the keys to reflecting on the Quran, even without the Arabic. But in terms of Quran's, uh, you know, uh, legal interpretations, how to derive laws from the Quran, you got to check first what else Allah said elsewhere, what else the Prophet said, what the language actually means, how the first community understood it. And then after all that, once you're specialized and trained, if you're wrong, you're forgiven. But if you do any of that before it, then, you know, like Abu Bakr radiallahu anh said, what sky will ever shade me? What earth will ever carry me if I say about one verse in the book of Allah based on what I think a baseless opinion, right? Without enough justification. That's of the ways of treating the Quran as unworthy, right? Just casually interpreting it however we like. Another way to abandon the Quran is to accept it in principle, accept its meanings, you know, as determined by the, the system that Allah placed for interpreting it. But then you just don't live up to it. When, when we... Don't respect its bounds. You know that verse in Surah Al-Baqarah when Allah says, Those we gave the book to who recited the way it deserves to be recited, tilawa, tilawa recitation, uh, these are those who actually believe in it. Uh, the word tilawa there, Ibn Mas'ud, the companion of the Prophet says says it doesn't just mean utterances because tala means to follow. Allah says the, the moon did tilawa of the sun. It followed the cycle of day and night, right? Tala. And so you following the, the rulings of the Quran, the guidance of the Quran in practice is what is included here. Pronouncing the Quran correctly, dedicating ourselves to its study is mandatory. We don't have to memorize Quran. We have to recite it correctly. That's part of the tilawa that Allah placed as a condition for property, properly believing in it. But living up to its laws also is a part of the proper tilawa to follow along, not the tracing of the letters, but the the steps of guidance and the stairway to to coming close to Allah through his laws, through what he revealed to us. But the last one I want to mention quickly in these last like three minutes that I have, and it's I wish I had more time to spend on it, you know, is of the ways to treat the Quran as unworthy is that you make it your last option when you're seeking medical treatment. What does that mean? You see, Allah Azza wa Jal said in the Qur'an, وَنُنَزِّلُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ شِفَاءِ We send down of this Qur'an that which is a cure. Cure for what? Physically? Yes, physically too. The Qur'an is ruqya. You know that hadith of the one the man who was stung by a scorpion. They recited Fatiha and then the Prophet والسلام, said to them, how do you know it is a spoken cure? Like it's an incantation type cure. Of course, the best of them. But that is secondary, actually. As Ibn al-Qayyim says, the Qur'an came down to cure our hearts before our bodies. And so the fact that it even cures our bodies, min babi awla, by greater virtue, that's another reminder that it's there to cure our hearts. And so when you have doubts, how do you triage that? Do you go to the Qur'an first? If you don't go to the Qur'an first, 
that could be of the ways of you seeing the Quran as mahjur, as worth shunning, as unworthy of approaching. Even when you have not just doubts, emotional pains. You know, what is your coping mechanism? You know, I have a sister. I'll mention her story just very quickly. Uh, she came to me. She had just gotten discharged, completed the cycles of like, you know, some psychotherapy and otherwise. She had a very difficult past. And she said to me, to be honest, Sheikh, I'm like totally disappointed. I said, why? She said, because they didn't give me anything. Like they, they gave me like some like coping mechanisms. Like when you feel your panic onsetting, just, you know, count to 10 and here's a breathing technique and here, uh, you know, write, take a gratitude journal. She said, but all of those were like temporary band-aids that were never going to ever help me. Like it's so shallow because sure, tell me, be grateful. This was so profound. She said she was lecturing me like like she was some expert on, on like theology or, you know, philosophy. She said, OK, be grateful. Grateful to who exactly? Who's the object of my gratitude? So it's like it's a it's a stillbirth. Like it's it's dead in the water when you tell me to be grateful without setting for me, clarifying for me what the Quran does. Right. That's how the Quran cures us. The object of my gratitude. Sure, you can tell me, take control of your life and you're the master of your own destiny. And, but how do I actually know that? And how isn't that like sort of abuse to make me feel like anytime I don't meet the bar, it's my fault that I didn't work hard enough. As opposed to the Quran that says, it's all in Allah's hands. Don't you worry about it. Remove that load from your shoulders. She said, and, and it, it couldn't tell me why I went through my trauma either. The Quran tells you why you're here, why you went through this, why you should have this, you know, directionality, this purpose. And so that was very profound for me. Like we look for cures elsewhere. That's of the ways that we underestimate or deem unworthy the Quran. And as Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah said, and I'll close with it, all of these fall under the category of my Lord, they have taken this Quran as something abandoned. He said, even if some forms of abandonment are less uh, so than others. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Back to you, Shaykh Omar. Lots, lots to ponder upon there, Shaykh. I wish oh, yeah. you would have kept going. I feel, feel like we should have kept three speakers of you off for much longer. I want to end this before you guys talk about basketball again. So, <laughs> No, no, it's going to happen again. No, 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 no. Okay, good. can't do that. You can't like have technical difficulties suddenly. I mean, but... <laughs> Uh, but honestly speaking, subhanAllah, you know, Sheikh, there are a few things, by the way. So obviously when we prepare our own content, sometimes there's a portion of it that we're most attached to. So um, within the Judgment Day series, uh, we just did um, unanswered du'as and then the trials that you didn't get compensated for in this dunya. So the things that happen in the hereafter and like how it all just kind of makes sense at that point. Like, wow. So this is what it was for. Like, OK, now I get it. You know, and, and no one would want to come back. To dunya and be restored here whether that's in the sense of honor or in the sense of pain and things of that sort right so when you're medicating uh and of course we're not, i have to make all the disclaimers right we're not opposed to mental health we're, we are of course alhamdulillah but i mean i sent her I there i sent her there right <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but certainly seeing faith as part of the cure part of the holistic solution and i think that's where you know the interdisciplinary nature of this is so important right yeah. but like that belief in the here and a lot in the hereafter it just both for our individual pain as well as our uh the pain that we sometimes experience as groups um you know when you're talking about the other side of the courtroom um 
you know, like I just, I just imagine subhanAllah, but I mean like all the backbiting that happens on these WhatsApp groups or, you know, like imagine Allah extracting each person from the group and standing them together and then put the other person that was backbited against on the other side. Just the, the physical scene of that, right? Like you have a group of, let's say, 80 people, 300 people, and Allah resurrects them and bunches them together. Okay, all of you were saying this about this person. Hmm. Allah forgive us and protect us. But that's the just, the, the perfect justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with his ibad on the day of judgment. So all those that were mocking Ibrahim salam, we don't even know their names. SubhanAllah, they, they probably felt so proud at the moment. You know, at the moment, uh, helping set up the fire, throwing them in. And we don't even know their names. But like they're standing and they're looking at Ibrahim salam robed alone and like honored. Like, okay, all of you participated. Remember all the stuff you said about him and all that what you did to him here's the the payback to Ibrahim and here's your compensation right and so even when we're talking about the group dynamics of this all uh you know when, when you're thinking about uh just the types of things that we encounter in this life the only thing is do not be a cause of your own misery and don't, do not be a cause of the misery of someone else you know subhanallah your own misery would be turning away from the revelation the misery of someone else would be, you know, obviously mocking the righteous and being a part of, of this group mentality that just leads to complete lack of self-awareness and lack of, when you forget Allah, you forget yourself, you forget everybody else, right? And you just lose yourself. And then on the day of judgment, it's like, here's everything you forgot. And, and, and it's confronting you, right? And so revelation is confronting you. The people you mocked are confronting you. The Lord that you turned away from is confronting you, right? And that's the, the most severe confrontation of them all. And so, I mean, that's the, that's the thing is like you prepare yourself for that and it's shifa, it's comfort in so many different ways. Healing, healing in that it can heal you from those ways that will cause you great pain. Healing in that it can also, I mean, obviously healing first and foremost, and that's guidance, but just it is healing in every sense of the word, subhanAllah. Uh, healing and also knowing that uh, Allah will not let your good deeds or dua or pain go unrewarded. And so just keep exerting yourself in, in the good and in the dura and absorbing the pain with patience, obviously, while you try to, to heal in the most holistic sense uh, in, this, in this life. SubhanAllah, just profound, um, profound, you know, connections that we find here. Sheikh Abdullah, I want to give it to you one more time, inshallah. I mean, if you, and Sheikh Muhammad, obviously, if you have any thoughts that came to your mind, I mean, just for the sake of discussion, last couple of minutes, inshallah. Uh, Father Sheikh Muhammad, the floor is yours, alhamdulillah. Maybe only that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, sent us a Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who taught us to say, Allahumma ja'al qur'ana rabi'a khalwi wa nura sadri wa jala'a huzni wa dhahaba hammi. Oh Allah, allow the Qur'an to be the spring that quenches my heart. That means it has the potential to do that, but you also need to, you know, show your worth, show you want it, show your thirst, show your interest in it. Oh Allah, make the Qur'an the, the spring of my heart and the light of my chest uh, and the departure of my, my anxiety, my worry, and the upliftment of my sadness. And so Qur'an can be all of that for all of us. We ask Allah for it and we pursue it through Allah's book first and foremost and then through every other means that Allah Azza wa has made available and permissible for us so that we can get this world and the next. It's, right. it's an all or none actually, subhanAllah. Yeah. Right? 
and you can download, by the way, the book on Duas for Hardship. I think it's, I know it's up there. So it's on the resources on the main page, inshallah. Shahadullah, anything uh, from your end? No, I was just thinking, you know, just stick with the Quran, you know, subhanAllah. Uh, just throughout the phases of, uh, I think, I remember we were sitting with, you and me were sitting with my son, and my son didn't want to lead Tarawih, you know, went a couple of rakats, and then I told him to ask you, and you were mentioning Tarawih is probably one of the strongest ways to keep the Quran. You know, uh, subhanAllah, just, just that experience, sometimes shaitan can play with you, you know, when it comes to memorizing or reciting the Quran and, uh, you know, the keys to open the door to allow yourself to understand it and to act upon it. So just stick with the Quran, bil Quran. you know, just have that, that that connection with the Quran and, you know, make sure that you stay with it, inshallah. MashaAllah, fruitful session. Sheikh Muhammad, Knicks or Nets? Brooklyn, New York. This is my last basketball question. Are you a Knicks fan or a Nets fan? I've never been a fan of a team, just some talent. Wow. Wow. I actually have never had a team. You took this yeah. anti-herd mentality thing to like the next level. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for listening carefully. <laughs> I'm gonna hide my Pelicans and Saints gear. You know, all the new. But well, I mean, Muslim players are my bias. So who has more Muslim there players on the team this year? <laughs> All right, one last question, basketball question. Two on two, it's me and Sheikh Abdullah against you and one other person on the Yaqeen team. Who are you picking up? Are we hiring Kyrie soon? No. <laughs> Inshallah. You know. uh, that's shot to this man, man. Oh, man. I actually don't know who's a baller, man. We need to get our retreats going again, man. That'll be that'll be Jordan Pippen. Well, actually, that's not a bad, that, that, that's a bad analogy. No. It doesn't matter. You and Sheikh Abdullah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Politically correct answers. Please enjoy the rest of your Ramadan. Keep the rest of us in your du'a. And we'll see you as well. Bid the night ta'ala for the end of Ramadan strong. See you guys in a bit. Appreciate all of you, inshallah ta'ala, as well. Please join us and we'll see you all tomorrow, inshallah. When you speak the truth, it hurts when they say you lie, doesn't it? Yet you move on, you take it all in stride. The honest prophet who by his own people is belied. And you never express distress to the tests that came from up above. The trials made you strong and for Allah's perfect company you would yearn. For it is to Allah that we belong and to Him is our return.